Welcome to the Sawyer Highlands and Converge Community Church Sermon Podcast. This is Season 2 with a brand new series on the book of Daniel. Each week we will upload the sermon that was preached during the Sunday morning service at our New Buffalo campus in hopes that it will serve you well during the week. So sit back, relax, and may you be encouraged by the great hope you have in Jesus Christ as you listen to the preaching of God's Word. Right, you may be seated. I, I'm ready to go home. We just sang the message. That was good. Thanks for reading. Man, you guys made Revelation 1 come alive. Thank you. Hey, anybody know what we're doing today? Anybody know what we're doing today over here? Yeah, we're doing, so today's Daniel. Um, and it was a long time before I could ever figure out. It's like it was alive. It moved. It's not. Um, how Daniel and Revelation were connected. But it's bigger than that. The whole Bible's connected. From Genesis to Revelation. And one of the things that we try to do in our preaching, I mean, we want to be um, exalting Christ in everything. But one of the things that goes on along the way, we're trying to also, in our preaching, teach how to read the Bible. Because you think about it, think about your lives, think of how many hours you spent doing anything this week and how much time we spend right here. So if most of my spiritual food is in the hour, hour and a half I spend here, how much is that compared to all the other intake I got? It's not that much. So what we are as a church, it's really, we're people of the word. We want to be Bible-saturated people. We want to be people focused on Jesus. So we keep trying to um, encourage, admonish, teach the things that God's given us. It's wonderful in the gathering of God's people. There's some beautiful things. But most of us, we're dispersed most of the week, right? We're out. So we might be in each other's homes. We might see each other out, out in the uh, grocery store, my Barney's and saying hello to people we see. Um, but we, we want to teach how to do this the Word. So that's why the men's things we got going, the women's things we got going, and, and all that. So today is going to be a little different. Um, wow, especially very different than last week. So I'm going to encourage you to be a curious and engaged reader and listener. Reader of Daniel and then listener today as opposed to casual. So I don't like working much. But I'm going to get you to, you have to work a little bit uh, this morning. Try to um, provoke some of that. So if you have your Bibles, turn them to Daniel. Um, I think we have copies of them. I'll say this again. So in our worship guide, we've got a space to take notes where you can do that if you want. Some people go like, I can't listen and take notes. And if you miss stuff, you can just simply email the office and get kind of a copy of my notes, whatever you miss. Because I will refer to some scriptures, and sometimes you just, I want to go back and look at that. And it's really, it's really worth looking at. So I'm going to start this way by introduction. How, hey, how's the, how's the world doing this year? How's it going? How's it doing? Thank you. I got, I got some good expressions back on that. Think about the turmoil globally in just six and a half months. Haiti's not that far from us, and a lot of us have been there ministering there. I call, we call it Caribbean chaos. But now their president has been assassinated, and they don't exactly know all those who are behind it. Or think of Ethiopia, where that ethnic conflict between the 
the, the Tigray people, it's civil war in Ethiopia right now. Their elections were, were rigged. Or Cuba broke out. Just in the last, last weeks, the largest anti-government protest in decades. So they had to shut down the, the internet. Totalitarian regimes are doing this all the time. China, Hong Kong, Iran. Hong Kong, the jailing of uh, the free press, the demonstrators, and shutting down, I forget the name of it, but the free press, just, I mean, they went bankrupt because all their assets got froze by, by China. Brazil, demonstrations calling for the president's resignation over his handling of the virus or vaccines. Myanmar, the military coup, which right now has hoard, this last week they are hoarding all the oxygen. I saw a picture from one of our trainers over in, there and, and, and a room full of caskets lined up. And another place where guys are going to get oxygen now that the government's confiscated it all to, to control that. So I had a Zoom call with one of my friends from South Africa, and he's talking about the unrest in South Africa that the former president is jailed. And after he got jailed, all his, his supporters are, uh, have these big demonstrations. They've, they've, they've arrested hundreds of people, but there's thousands. Of, they're burning down entire shopping centers, creating chaos on purpose in order to get this guy released. And they're moving out into the, the suburban areas this week. All over the world. That's not to mention Iran, Afghanistan, and our own country. How's the world doing? Rise of this particular leader, the fall of that particular leader. I think this book of Daniel comes to us at a very appropriate time. It'll help us concentrate on what we need to concentrate on, to think about what we need to think about. I don't know about you, but I can get really distracted by turmoil. I want to suggest to you also as we go through this book, Daniel lived through more turmoil than any of us have or will live through in our lifetime. And there's some things that we will learn of God here. Daniel served under many kings. And so from chapter 1, if you've just read the introduction, it's all, you know that he was part of the Jewish nobility and so he lived under the last king, Jehoiakim. He was there. And, and then the Babylonian conquest came in. That is an entire nation or empire takes over what was called Judah. Or it's, it's where Jerusalem was. That was the last time they had self-rule, 586. Taken over by Nebuchadnezzar. So he, he serves there under Nebuchadnezzar. Then under Nebuchadnezzar's son, Belshazzar, that entire empire is then overthrown by the Medes. And they come in. Daniel serves under Darius. And then his successor, Cyrus, who is the one who issued the decree for, to Ezra, that the, the, uh, the temple could be rebuilt. So let me ask you, all those kings, who was the greatest king that Daniel served under? That's a question this book answers. And all the rising and falling who is the greatest king that Daniel served under? Friends, that's the point of this book. And we need to know it. That there is one true king. There's one who reigns sovereign over all. He sets up kings and political leaders and he removes kings and political leaders. He changes times and seasons, though he does not change. He is the living, eternal God. He delivers and he rescues, and his kingdom cannot be destroyed, and this kingdom shall be given to his people. Amen? 
Now, I want to just tell you something. What I just said right there, it's true. That's not my words. Almost every single one of those sentences, a couple of them paraphrase slightly, they are words and expressions that are throughout the book of Daniel. I think it's Daniel's message. So let me say it again. There is one true king. There is one who reigns sovereign over all. He sets up kings and he removes kings. He changes times and seasons, though he does not change. He delivers and he rescues and his kingdom cannot be destroyed and this kingdom shall be given to his people. Amen? Amen. It's true. So we're going to walk through this in this book and the reality that that's what this book is about. People get lost oftentimes in reading Daniel and the visions, trying to figure out who these various figures represent. It's like losing the forest for the trees. This book is about one true, sovereign, eternal king. And he has dominion over all and is preparing a kingdom for his people. Do you know that? Not here. Do you know it functionally in your life? As we journey through Daniel, we're going to see Daniel faithfully following him through all kinds of turmoil. And when I look at it closely, I realize it is more turmoil than any of us will ever experience in our life. But when we're in our life, it feels crazy. We think that's all there is. Because that's us. But Daniel goes before us pointing continually to this king, and I think this will exhort us tremendously. I'm going to love going through this in the next few weeks. So we're pretty much going to take it chapter by chapter. I think 10 through 12 we'll put together because it's really one vision. But just for your own reading, um, I want to encourage you this way. So if you're on the, the email list in the middle, I would just encourage you, get our, I know emails, some people never do that. You do cooler stuff like Instagram or whatever. I can't. But, but the email will tell you what's going on. And so there's one that goes out Wednesday. It's got all the things and the activity of the church. There's one that comes out Sunday. I don't know why, but the Sunday one goes to my spam box. I try to, it just does a lot. They all come through MailChimp. But the Sunday one, both of those will have, hey, here's where we're going. Here's the text to read. Here's some other things to read. It, if, if you do it, it'll just prepare you um, for this. And you'll worship different. You'll, you know what? You will sing differently with all this. You're going to hear Revelation read. You know exactly where that's going from Daniel. you just like, you, your heart will just be, whoo. you know, when I used to come in like a gathering like this, I'm barely waking up and I'm so thankful we got coffee back, <laughs> which I had again. I'm coming in. But, but that will, uh, it'll waken your spirit and just be, so it's, an, let me just say that as encouragement um, to you. So, the pastors, we've been studying this together for a while because we get different ones of us preaching, and it's been wonderful to study together. And one of the things that we'll do with the book, and here's what I'm doing today, this is kind of an overview sermon. And I'll, I'll tell you in a, in a moment why, we, why we're doing that more. We've been doing that with different books of the Bible. But what we try to work on is we look at, hey, what's the theme that's running through all the way? And not just the theme, there's a way in which that theme's expressed and, and then what's the response that God would want us to have? So sometimes we say the transformational intent of God. What, what is that? So I'm going to tell you the one. I think we got this. That, um, this is what we kind of came up with. It's really fun studying this in community because we go back. Why do you think it's that? Where do you see this in the book? And this is what we boiled it down to. So again, Jesus didn't give us these words. So it's not, this is not Bible, but it's, it's a helpful phrase that we're going to use. It's this. 
as, as kingdoms rise and fall, remain faithful to the king who rules over all. Now, I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit more. That's kind of a theme that runs through Daniel. And I, I think we'll kind of show that along, along the way. All right. We're sharing. Are you going to read the scripture for us today? All right. Um, turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 through 14. And this is the, while this is an overview, are you good in that small text? I don't know if I can read that small text. You can read that? Okay, I got my giant one right there, if you want. Right there. That's huge. That's actually letters. Do you want to try that one? Sure. It's right there. 9 through 14. The book of Daniel, chapter 7, verses 9 to 14. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. Thousands, thousand served him, and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked, then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking, and as I looked, the beast was killed, and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages would serve him. His dominion is everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sharon. Let's pray. Lord, you know everyone that's here present. You've prepared this word for us today. We don't know why. But we do know this. We need Jesus every part of every day. So we simply ask that today, in your kind of way, would you help us to see him and that our lives would move under his role, his rule, Lord. I pray for any that are part of us or watching online that are not yet awakened to the glory of Jesus, and it would be a day soon. Thank you for your love, for your patience, for your work. Let the Holy Spirit be very active in this place right now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, again, so the goal of today, I'm going to do an overview, which, you know, overview, what am I going to get out of that? So here's... here's Here's how this goes and why. Um, how, how many of you like, uh, you like going on vacation and not knowing where you're going? 
How many have had that happen to you, though? And you don't like it. How many of you prefer to use a, an old-school map to know where you're going? Okay, I don't have enough friends in the room. That's me, my hand's up. How many of you prefer to use a GPS when you're traveling? How many of you just don't want to play? Because that wasn't quite everybody. Okay, there was more GPSers than mappers. But I'm a, I do a little bit of both. I, the map helps. I see the whole thing. I kind of I know that. So what we're doing today is, a, in a sense, it's like a map of how this book of Daniel goes. Now, here's how I want you to think about Have you ever read a book or a book in the Bible or a book, period? And, you, you know, when you read, you start, you start in the beginning, go to the end, right? But you read it, and as you go along, you get to the end, you go like, oh, that's what it's about. You ever done that? Or you, what you thought was going in the beginning wasn't that. So good novels have surprise in that. And um, some people, when they read their Bibles, are like that. So it really stinks when you're preaching and, you, and you're start, if you only start in the beginning, you're going like, you're preaching this and, the, and you get to the end and you go, oh, it was really about this. I don't want to do that to you. So what this is in reading, we're going to talk about the whole. This is the whole direction. It's the whole map. It's the GPS. Here's where it goes. Then that helps us make, part, make sense of all the parts along the way for your own reading. That's what it'll do. And there are some places where people get lost in Daniel. I think they just... They, they kind of make some mistakes. They focus on something, but it's part of the whole. So this sermon is intended to help us, one, see the whole thing. And actually, as we've been doing different books of the Bible, you'll notice in the last probably three years, it's been our habit. We'll preach one sermon all the way through, then we go back and do the pieces. So it's, it's intentional, but I want to say it for our own Bible reading that's a really good thing. You're starting to read a book. You can write down things along the way, but then look at the whole pieces. So today is, is meant to be that map or GPS for you. But let me say this. Uh, this is, so it's going to be a little challenging that way, but put your, um, your curious reader, curious learner on, and I think, and there's some points we're going to pause and just think about what we just did. It'll be instructive to us. So here's a couple, I'm going to tell you ahead of time, here's some ingredients we're going to look at, and I'll explain them later. We're going to look at the context, the background a little bit. Uh, we're going to look at the genre and structure. Somebody is tuned out right now when I said that word. I'm going to tell you what that word is. Um, those things will kind of lead us to what, a little bit, what's the main idea here, but we're going to look at the beginning and end of the book, which is a skill lots of people don't do, and then we're going to look, is there a key part or a surprise or a big change in the book. So that's what we're going to do today. And I think, it'll, I think it'll help you, all right? I like knowing we're going, so I just told you where we're going. All right. Context. What's that? It's the background. What's going on? So how about this one? Hey, when you think, we'll be interactive. I'm actually asking this. When you think of the book of Daniel, what do you think of? Lion's Den. Fiery Furnace. Fruits and vegetables. Oh, that's, the, that's what he, get, he eats, yeah. So usually top, top three goes Daniel in the lion's den, the three dudes in the fiery furnace, and then sometimes people come up. It's got these crazy visions in the end. Um, but a lot of people don't understand them, so they just skip that part like it's not in the book, and we can do Daniel 1 to 6. But, so that's kind of the three things that people tend to think of. All right, so let's start this way. Here's Daniel. What's going on with Daniel? What's the background of what's going on? So why is context important? Have you ever read a news article and someone quoted somebody and later on you realized 
Yes, they said that, but they said it in this context, responding to this question, and so it actually meant something very different than it was quoted in the newspaper. Ever seen it anywhere? Hopefully it wasn't you that was being quoted. Okay? That's the context, the background. So we can really misunderstand things if we don't get this, or let me say it the other way. We understand it so much better we understand this background. So here's where you can find the background of, of this book. I mean, right in the beginning of the first chapter, which we'll look at next week, it tells us that Daniel, um, that all this took place, and, and Daniel was there under Jehoiakim. He was part of the nobility, and, and he was captured as a young person, okay? And what they would typically do with different kings, when you captured um, a group, so we see that Daniel in the beginning is being trained as a young man. Call this, the words are not used there, this is indoctrination. What the ancient kings would typically do when they captured the nobility like that, um, the parents aren't surviving. We don't know this in the text, but that's how Nebuchadnezzar was. That's the way that would be. His parents are never mentioned. But then they take the young leaders and indoctrinate them. Why? Well, if they are Jewish and we've captured Jewish people and we've indoctrinated their future leaders, then it keeps any rebellion from happening. That was just the kind of the typical way um, that would happen. But along the way, what we see in this book is that Daniel and his friends are unusually faithful to God. Why is that? So one of the ways to read this is to go back a little further. Okay, so the last king ruled about 11 years, Jehoiakim. Well, Daniel was obviously older than 11. The king before that, so Jehoiakim's father, was Josiah. You can read this in 2 Chronicles, the last few chapters. There was an incredible revival in, in the nation under Josiah. They were so far from God. In fact, the Babylonian Empire coming, that was the judgment of God. Um, you'll see this in the book of Daniel. I think Josiah even quotes it. God said, if you turn away from me like this, this is what's going to happen. And you'll see this later in Daniel. But under Josiah, the law, they, they, they'd lost God's word. It's discovered under Josiah. The people, there's a national repentance. There's a coming back to the Lord, a teaching of his word. So in other words, Daniel's parents were probably part of that revival under Josiah. That's what's impacting Daniel. When Daniel's long later on under Nebuchadnezzar's rule, all of that had impacted him from his parents. Pause and think for a second. That's just the context. Parents, does that say anything to us? Or grandparents? Does that say anything to us? The most important thing for our kids or our grandkids is that they are spiritually prepared. There's so much we cannot control. Rise and fall, rise and fall, rise. We can't control that, and it's going to happen. We, we can't predict, predict the turmoil that, are, that the next generation will go through, but it will come but are they spiritually prepared? It's very clear that Daniel's parents did that, and they did it through adversity. A lot of really good people, a lot of good church people, they go, with well, my kids, man, I want them to get a good education. I want them to be involved in these things. I, I want them to get a good job. Are those, those important things? I'll tell you what's more important. It's having that relationship with the Lord and being spiritually prepared, because whether you have much or whether you have little, whether this person's ruling or that person's ruling, it's knowing who you belong to, 
knowing who loves you, having your life surrendered and submitted to him, and you are secure in that, no matter all the other stuff that goes on, no matter what travesty comes into your life, that's a thing, that's spiritual preparation. So let's just pause and reflect on that. Is that me? So what I want? Is that what I'm doing? Lord, what would you say to me about that? That's just the background. But it's, it's clear in this book. Okay, next thing. I want to talk about genre and structure. Um, let me so, so each book is put together in a particular way. How many of you have read through Daniel recently? It's okay if you haven't. Just tell me, okay? So if you read through it, or how many have read through it ever? How about that one? Okay. So when you read through it, you, you, you can kind of tell the first six chapters, it breaks up very clearly. This is all the story, what happens. We call it a historical narrative. And then chapters 7 through 12, it's all these apocalyptic visions. So a lot of people, they read the first six, and that's it. I, I speed read the rest because I don't get it. Don't raise your hand or don't point. But we've all done that. We're, I, I don't I don't. I don't get, or some people, they get all the details. They want to figure out who this person is. I think this person's Hitler. I think this person's Trump, or I think this person's Biden, or I don't know. It's like crazy how people do all this stuff. It, it means something in there. I just want to show you how this all fits together. But they're so different. Why are they different? Are they about the same thing or not? Why would they be about something different? Maybe they're about the same thing, and we don't, we don't see that all the time. So here's what I want to do first. If the first six chapters are what we call historical narrative and the second one is apocalyptic, the visions, here's the word genre. So you remember this. I'm repeating the illustration just so you remember. Oh, we'll do this this way. Acacia, I'm going to ask you a question. You awake? Okay. What's this? It is an orange. That's right. Carly, what's this one? It's an apple. Eileen Spencer, <laughs> what's this one? Can you see it? Yeah. <laughs> It's a banana. These were, not trick, these were not trick questions, as they sometimes are. So it's interesting how people hesitated on that. Okay. Um, Zion, are these all fruit? They are. They, you know, I must ask really hard questions because the hesitation in this is, <laughs> they're always good. There's a trick coming. Nope. They're all fruit. Orange, banana, apple, they're all fruit. Okay. Different kinds of fruit. I'm illustrating genre. So you guys have seen different kinds of fruit. We eat an apple a particular way, right? We can just bite the apple. Do we eat a banana the same way we eat an apple? No way. We don't. That's not what we do. That'd be bad. It would be, ooh. Follow me. Why do we do that with the Bible? There's, there's different genre of Bible. I mean, Apocalyptic literature is different than historical narrative. It's different than a letter in the New Testament. It's different than wisdom literature. We need to eat it according to its kind. So when you get to poetry, or po it's got these it's big pictures. It, it, it uses metaphors. You don't take a metaphor 
the, the, the finger of God. You don't take that literally. It's saying something about him. Okay? It's all, it's all true. It's all telling us something about God. It tells us about something about God and something about us. And that's where people can mistake the Proverbs and, and quote things in certain ways or whatever. I could, use, I could illustrate some bad examples, but I won't do it. So we, we talk about this sometimes in our Sunday school class. But you get the, the general illustration. So all of Daniel is going to be about God and us in some way, but the apocalyptic part of it is very different than the historical narrative. So in one sense, a historical narrative, um, so oh, this is important. So in a story, and I say story, this is a, a narrative, this is a true thing about God. This is what happened, okay? So it tells us things about God and the person, but that story may not be the same as your story. That is, how it turned out for Daniel might not turn out for you. It's the same God, so interesting, when we get to chapter 3, I think it is, um, the three guys, when they're, you know, talk about they're getting a bit thrown into the, to, uh, the fiery furnace, they go like, ah, no big deal. Our God's going to save us. And even if he doesn't, we're going we're gonna to still follow you. So they know what God's like. They know what he's capable of doing. They actually call it out in faith. This is what he's going to do. But even if he doesn't, we're still, they don't know what he's going to do. They know what he's like. So just in story, because something happened to Daniel or David or Ruth or whatever, God doesn't always work in everyone's life in the same way, but he's always doing good. He knows how to accomplish it. I don't know if that's helpful or not. The reason why I say that is because sometimes people compare their life to someone else. How come mine, how, how come mine didn't turn out that way? And we just miss it. We don't get to choose the details that happen to us we do get to choose how we respond to God. And let me say this, in a room like this, there's some really horrific things that have happened to people. And I can't explain that. I will say this. In your questions, in your wrestling, I want to just urge you, wrestle with God. Not against him. Because he's there, and I know he loves you. Just wrestle with him. It's pretty sure that Daniel's parents are dead. We just don't see him talking about it in this book. All right, I rambled a little bit, but I did talk about how we, how we think through different parts of Scripture there. Daniel's got, so it's divided into these two sections, one through six, historical narrative, apocalyptic. Oh, here, what else is interesting? In the first six chapters in the story, you're going to hear these visions. They're all visions other people have. The last six, seven, it's visions Daniel has. Notice when you read it, the visions other people has. What is Daniel doing? What's he doing? Now, every single time, he's pointing out who God is. They think he's a big deal because he can tell them. He doesn't take the credit. He could take the credit. But his whole goal in this is to point to who God is. Let me just pause for a second. Does that... Does that matter for us and what we do? Every single person, God has placed you in a place, a role. It might be a place of work, a situation in life. It may not be one that you wish you had, but God puts you there, and there's a reason. How do, we, how do we see ourselves going through that? And when you read the first six chapters, just be amazed at how Daniel responds and what's going on. And continually watch how he's pointing to God. That's his whole goal, is to show them that, even if it costs him his life. 
watch also what God does with that. So I don't want to get ahead of us in terms of all those different stories, but it's, it's pretty amazing. So I, Daniel clearly lives with this sense, we talked in Proverbs about living under the fear of God, not meaning being afraid of him, but this holy reverence, this reverent awe of God. Daniel's doing that. He sees everything in his life is connected to God. And, friends, he is secure in that. Though he experiences turmoil and conflict, with the threat of his life. So just stop and think about that. And then I wonder about myself. Do I live with that same sense of God? How does that get displayed in me privately and publicly? Because those are connected. And they're very much, you'll see it in Daniel, they're very much connected in Daniel's life. This was real for him. And it comes out publicly. All right. Uh, last two things I want to do. So if you have your Bibles. This is, I want to just show beginning and end of the book. I want to show how all this is connected. So we kind of go like, so how are we supposed to respond to this? Um, that I don't remember if I gave you, the, I don't think I gave you the first one, so don't worry about it. I'm going to get the chapter 12 one in just a second. But turning your Bibles to chapter 1, um, I'm just going to note a couple verses here. It says in the first verse, it's the third year in the reign of Jehoiakim where Nebuchadnezzar comes in and besieges Jerusalem and the Lord actually gives Jehoiakim into Nebuchadnezzar's hands, okay? So Daniel's captured, and here's the verse I want you to notice, is verse 8 of chapter 1. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food and with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself and God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. Daniel has a resolve. This is the whole indoctrination thing. He will not defile himself. He's going to remain this way. Now, I want to suggest to you, oh, I forgot this. I made a mistake. He said, can you go ahead and put up the uh, melodic line? I think you got it there. I just skipped that part. As, as kings ri kingdoms rise and fall, Remain faithful. Okay, here's what I'm focusing on. How are we supposed to respond to read Daniel? That, that phrase, remain faithful, I think that's what we're aimed at. And what I want to show is that beginning and end. So in the very first chapter we got Daniel, he's resolved. I'm not going to defile myself. And as you read all those, chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, you're going to see that same theme in these guys. They're staying true. Okay, but what about the visions? I don't get that. So the visions, here's what, let's turn now to the end of the book. I want to show you that as the book wraps up, it's really saying the same thing. So I'm going to read this. This is the, the final vision to Daniel. Chapter 12, I'm going to pick it up in verse 8. But it's the last two verses that land the response that the, that the angel's calling him to. I heard, but I did not understand. And then I said, oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? And he said to me, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Okay? Daniel doesn't get the vision. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly, and none of the wicked shall, under shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1335 
but go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of days. The last two verses. Blessed is he who, what? Waits and arrives. What is that? So he just thinks we can miss, but he's actually calling out that same steadfastness. Though those last visions are all about future things that are super confusing. He said, this is what's going to happen. The same king is going to continue to, he's going to reign, he's going to rule eternally. And all this stuff's going to happen. All this turmoil is going to happen. But blessed is the one who waits and arises. That's persevering faith, friends. That's a faith that's got my eyes on Jesus no matter what, whatever goes on. It's going to stay there. And what you end up finding, the result is that, and you shall rest and stand in your place. Waiting's hard, isn't it? I don't like to wait. I like to get the thing done. We've talked about this a number of times. I think one of the hardest commands throughout the scripture is to wait on the Lord. How do you wait on the Lord? It doesn't mean you do nothing. You're not passive. Waiting on the Lord is very active. That is, you're looking for God to work. You believe that God works, whether you see it or not. You're trusting him to work. God, I don't know if I see it. But I'm trusting, your word's going to come through. It's going to be true. And I'm staying there. I'm not waiting. It's believing. It's trusting on him. It's a very, we'll probably talk, we'll talk about more when we get to that. I mean, it's a, it's a leaning on God and everything. It's not passive. It's very, very active. So here's what I'm suggesting to you. That, I think, is the transformation, the response that this book is calling us to. It's a way that we'd actually wait on him and trust him and remain true to him no matter what else is going on. I don't know about your life. Do you need that in your life? I do. I feel like my stuff is so big, it's nothing compared to Daniel's. But I feel I, I, I can lose sight so quickly. But the same things that was true for Daniel is, is true for us. Okay, last thing. Is there a key point or key transition in this? You go like, hey, oh, let me ask you this one. <clears throat> it's not planned. Hey, how many of you would like, um, when Sharon was reading, you're going like, you can raise your hand. I'm not offended. Um, what in the world is she reading? What does this have to do with the book? I don't get what she's reading. Can I, anybody, anybody think that? Point at somebody you think thinks that. How about that? <laughs> you're like reading it and going like, it, about halfway through, you're going like, what is this? Okay. This, this is the aha. So I want you to turn, I'm going to read, I want you to turn there because I'm going to read it a little differently. Not differently than Sharon did. I want you to, well, I'm going to pause it. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. This is, you kind of go like, ask questions when you're reading. So you finish chapter six, you go, why has he got this in here? What's going on? Be a curious reader. So I'm going to pick it up in verse nine. As I looked Thrones were placed, at, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Who's the Ancient of Days? Okay. And who's the next person that, that really comes in here? Follow me. Got this big throne. Stream of fire issued and came out from before him, and thousands upon thousands served him. Ten thousands times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. It's a picture of the judgment seat, right? The ancient of days, God Almighty. Did I give you this one to you, Thad? I don't remember. Go ahead and keep it up there if I did. 
Yep, good. The books were open. And I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. As I looked, the beast was killed, its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and time. Listen. And I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. I'm sorry. Does that sound like something we heard these guys read earlier? And behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. That, my friends, is about Jesus. Amen? That's what we heard read in Revelation, which is going to be the end and about Jesus. You go, like, oh, I don't buy that. You just picked out some obscure verse and turned it in. Have you ever heard someone say, Jesus never claimed to be the Son of God? Anybody raise your hand? Only two? Wow. Three? All right, come on. Have you ever heard someone claim that Jesus never, say, Jesus never claimed to be the Son of God? He didn't claim to be the Son of God. He claimed to be the Son of Man. Have you ever heard that? I heard that when I was in university all the time. He never claimed it. Show me where he claimed it. He claimed to be the Son of Man. You know what? Someone who says that, they just don't understand the Jewish mind or the Bible. Did Jesus claim to be God? Absolutely. But let me say to you, one of his favorite terms was the Son of Man. Comes right here from Daniel 7. Did the Jewish mind understand that? <laughs> yes, they did. Turn your Bibles to Mark 14. I think we got this one. Matthew and Mark show this. This is Jesus on trial. Do we got this verse? 61 through 64. Perfect. Okay, this is Jesus on trial. Here it is. But he, the high priest is quizzing him, but he remained silent, made no answer, and again the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and said, What further witnesses do we need? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? They all condemned him as deserving of death. When Jesus called himself to be the Son of Man, the Hebrews knew what that was. The Jews did. It's Daniel 7 vision. We heard it read. I'm not going to go back to it because you guys did it so well. We heard it in Revelation chapter 1. That's all about Jesus. So let me just pause for a second. That's often missed in Daniel. We get, we read the first, I get the first six. We get this, we, we just speed on by because we don't know it. But chapter 7 on, it's talking about how this king will rule eternally. It's actually in there before as Daniel is testifying to Nebuchadnezzar and Darius and to, to Cyrus. He testifies. This is what he will be. But the vision makes it very clear. Friends, Jesus is our true king who reigns over all. He sets up kings and political leaders and he removes kings and political leaders. He changes times and seasons, though he does not change at all. He is the living God. He delivers and he rescues and his kingdom cannot be destroyed and this kingdom shall be given to his people. Amen? Let me end with this. 
So how does this kingdom come? It's in our hearts. It's in our lives. It's, it's surrendering ourselves to him and real faith. That's what salvation is. It's his kingdom, his rule, his goodness coming into us as we yield to him in faith. In the face of incredible opposition and godlessness, Daniel just demonstrates an unswerving offering of oneself to God. We'll watch it in this book. As they bear faithful witness to the true king and how he's seen. Can we do that in this political climate? In this pandemic? In all the relational stresses that are going on? Can we love one another with that true in our lives? Him. Can we love our neighbor who does not share our worldview and acts like a godless person acts because they're not yet awakened? I think this is a very important message during our current times of turmoil. If we actually get this, how would it change how I feel, how I think, my emotions, my reactions? So I just suggest this to you. One of the beauties of going through a book together is we do this together. And then we can think about it during the week. We can talk with one another about the lessons we're learning. And we can just ask the Lord, Lord, is this, am I moving towards you like this? I want to. Let's pray together. Lord, in these next few weeks together, maybe just a couple of months in this book, I pray that you would have your way, Lord. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May it be done in southwest Michigan as it is done in heaven. May your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives here as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like more information about Sawyer Highlands Church and Converge Community Church and the service times for both campuses, please visit our website at www.sawyerhighlands.org. Until next time, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.